All right, DJ PK, time to welcome in Jovan Buha, the Lakers beat writer for The Athletic. Jovan, good morning. Good morning. How are you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. We have many questions about the Lakers, but I think the most important one, and I'm not sure you can answer it, but what do you know about Anthony Davis evaluating him in here in a few weeks? Is he likely to come back? Are they likely to say they're going to evaluate him again in a few weeks? Because it's certainly a different team with and without AD. Uh, well, uh, a few days ago, Frank Vogel gave him a four-week timetable, which would bring him back, uh, you know, I guess a week or so after the All-Star break. Um, you know, and I think with this injury, you can never be too cautious. Um, you know, and I think you look a couple years ago with, with the Kevin Durant situation and what ended up happening with him and, um, you know, the, the, the notion that they might have brought him back a little too soon and, uh, you know, for the Lakers, I, I think they're in the, the stage right now, um, you know, especially as defending champs, that uh, you know, they just want to get to the playoffs healthy and, and you know, uh, with, with home court advantage. And if they can be the, the three or four seed, uh, they like their chances against, you know, basically anybody. But uh, if you lose Anthony Davis for an extended period of time because you rushed him back, which they might have done, uh, you know, I guess technically to begin with, uh, after he only missed a couple games and then uh, was re-injured, um, in that next game, uh, you know, I, I think they're just going to be extra cautious with this situation. But at the same time, you know, they're currently going through a skid right now. And, um, you know, they, they don't want to fall too far down the standings. So uh, it's an interesting balance. But I think ultimately they're going to be cautious with him. And um, I do expect him back, you know, within a week or so of the All-Star break, uh, barring any setbacks. So we've heard about LeBron talking about this rest, and I admire him willing to go out there and play every game. You know, there's no doubt about it. Anytime I'm going to watch the Lakers, I want to see LeBron. I'm a fan of basketball, and he's the guy. And I certainly think that whatever he says should be consulted and seriously considered. But in my mind, it's a management decision. And if the management team decides that LeBron needs to sit or what have you, then I think they should do it. It should be you will you include him in the discussion, but I don't think he should have the final say in that way. You know, it's not an injury situation. It's a rest situation. What do you think about the opportunity to have him rested and should management take control of that and sort of take it out of LeBron's hands knowing that he has a say? Yeah, I mean, that is a tough one. Uh, I do think in general, um, you know, as a, as a general practice, um, you know, teams have um, their their medical staffs tracking these guys, you know, at everything, you know, blood pressure, heart rate, um, you know, workload, like, you know, I, I know some teams have it where it's literally like a stoplight where, you know, they have a, a different color for, for each guy of, okay, this guy's a green, this guy's a yellow. You can't let this guy get into red because that's when it's, it's the danger zone. So um, I'm, I'm sure on the Lakers end, they're tracking and monitoring all of this. Um, you know, obviously LeBron is kind of a in, in – <laughs> in an unprecedented situation where we've just never seen someone at, uh, you know, 36, you know, basically look like they're 24, right? Like, I guess the, the closest would probably be, um, you know, Carl Malone or, or Kareem, but I think LeBron's, you know, obviously more athletic than, than either of those guys. So it's just, we've never seen a guy be able to kind of handle this production and workload at this age. But, um, you know, I, I'm with you guys in that. I think he probably should just, you know, take a game off at some point. Um, but I think if anyone has earned that kind of right to dictate their, their, you know, kind of body and, and, 
whether they're playing or not, it is LeBron. I mean, he is the most powerful player in the league. So I, I think, you know, I think from the Lakers, with some of the stuff that has been said publicly, it does sound like they'd probably want him to take a night off, but it, he clearly is just rejecting that. And if that's the case, I think you don't want to upset LeBron and force him to take a game off and potentially, you know, have him upset and, you know, whatever consequences uh, come from that. So I, I'm with you in, in, in you know, in, in practice that I think, in, you know, you should, I'm, I'm more pro rest and especially with the workload he's had lately with AD out. I mean, if you look at some of the, the minutes, it's been, you know, he had a stretch where he had three straight games with 40 plus minutes, um, you know, went, went 40 plus minutes last night and they're losing these games, you know, and, and that's where I, I think the issue is, is if he, you know, if they're winning because he's playing a lot of minutes, that's one thing, but they continue to lose, um, you know, recently. And that's just kind of a double whammy of you're falling down the standings and you're wasting LeBron's minutes. So um, I wonder if, you know, maybe he rests a game coming up here, but um, I, 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 I'm with you guys. I just, I think that he's the, you know, kind of the one player that, really has that power to kind of dictate that, and I don't think the Lakers are going to mess with that. Kyle Kuzma played his college basketball at the University of Utah. A lot of people still following him. And, you know, where after you got the big two, who are a couple other players who can really perform at a high level for you? There's the expectation he's that guy. Is he fulfilling that more? Is he all the way there? Is there still stuff they expect from him? How, does he, how is he fitting in right now? Yeah, well, I would say after the, the two stars, the third guy this season has been Dennis Schroeder. Um, you know, he, he has, uh, you know, stepped into that starting point guard role and, and played fairly well. And it's been a big loss for him. You know, and I think he's someone that they're really going to miss in Wednesday's matchup against the Jazz. As for Kuzma, I think he's really taken a step over the past, you know, 12, 14 months embracing a role player role where, uh, you know, his first couple of years in LA, he was one of their leading scorers. He kind of had, a breakout as someone people were looking at as, hey, you know, is this guy a, a potential all-star or, or is he, you know, a potential 20-point-a-night, you know, career scorer? And, you know, obviously that that's no longer the case. And um, he's taken a big step back with LeBron and AD um, now in the Lakers. But I think it, it's been the other areas of his game that have really grown where he's become a plus defender. And that was not the case a couple of years ago. You know, he was a bad defender a couple of years ago. And he's he's used. I mean, he's got a good frame. He's six foot nine, long arms. You know, fairly athletic. He can defend multiple positions. Um, and if you look at his steal and block numbers, those have all increased. Uh, and then his rebounding. All of a sudden, um, you know, he, he was a decent rebounder, but he's become a pretty good rebounder. He's had a, uh, you know, several double doubles this year. Uh, if you look at the, the offensive rebounding, he's had some really big offensive rebounding games with you know four, five, six offensive rebounds and. Um, th- those stretches have, have saved the Lakers at times when they've been struggling offensively recently. So, Kuz, I think, you know, g- getting the contract uh, that, that he got heading into the season and, and just kind of accepting his role, you know, off the bench and, and as a guy who is not just a scorer but can do other things but with rebounding and passing and defense, um, I think he, he's, he's really flourished lately. So, uh, you know, he, he's not the third guy on the team necessarily. He's not the third leading scorer, but he's someone that is kind of like a Swiss Army knife for them, where they can plug and play him. He's played two through four, uh, again, defending multiple positions, and I think he's had a really nice season quietly. From the Laker perspective, which team concerns you more, the Clippers or the Jazz? Ooh, 
putting me on the spot here. Uh, well, right. I mean, right now it's it's the Jazz with, with how they're playing. I, I do think for for my my I, I guess mentality tends to uh, lean towards star power, and I just think that if you're looking at the Clippers versus the Jazz, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in the matchup, in my opinion, and uh, that would give me a slight. Uh, I, I guess edge to the Clippers, but I think with, with what Utah is doing right now, I mean, you can't discount it. And I, I think, you know, some people have defaulted to the well, it's the, you know, every year there's a regular season team that that you know kind of breaks out, and you know, it, it's not legit. But I think with the, the sample size that we're seeing now, um, I believe they're what 26 and five, and and you know, 21 uh, wins of uh, double digits, like. You can't discount that, and um, you know I, I've personally been a, a big Utah guy the last couple of years. Like I, I felt that they were the third best team in the West e- each of the last two seasons. Um, you know I picked them to win Denver uh, to beat Denver in, in the first round. So um, I'm you know I think I, I've been more of a, a pro Utah guy than, than most uh, in the media, and um, you know I, so I, I I buy this. Like I think they're really really good. I think this shows what happens when when you keep it a, a core together. And just kind of add some some pieces around the fringes, and um, you know, obviously Mike is, is having an All Star caliber year. You got Donovan and, and uh, Rudy doing what, what they do, and um, you know, I think Quinn's a really really good coach. So, uh, I mean, the team is very dangerous, and I, I mean, if we're being candid here, like I think they're probably going to blow the Lakers out uh, on Wednesday just with the way the Lakers are shorthanded and, and with the way they're playing right now. Um, I think that one could get out of hand. Phoenix Suns have inched within a game of the Lakers and Clippers. At what point should we say it's not a big three in the West, it's a big four? What would have to happen for you to say that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, thing with, the only thing with Phoenix for me is the, the lack of experience, right? Like, uh, again, looking at you know the, the other teams um, at the top of the West, you know, Lakers defending champs, Clippers have, have multiple guys who have either won championships or, or gone deep in the playoffs. Um, you know, same with the Jazz. Uh, the, the Suns, aside from Chris Paul and, and Jay Crowder, are a pretty inexperienced group. And I think we've seen it in recent seasons that, you know, young teams tend to struggle in, in the postseason. Um, now, Chris Paul, I, I think, is one of the best point guards ever uh, and, and obviously one of the best leaders ever and is the type of guy that can maybe get them to overcome that, right? And I think you look at last year's playoffs with OKC and, uh, you know, I, I think that team had no business going to seven games with the Rockets, uh, but but the fact that they did and, and almost won that series, uh, I think that's a testament to Chris Paul. And then just if you look at it, every every team he's gone to, you know, their win percentage has gone up, and, and usually by a, a decent you know amount, like you know ten plus wins. So uh, I think you know if anyone could do it, Chris Paul is one of those guys. But um, you know, for, for me I, again, I think it's experience. I, I think it's the defense. Um, you know, I think offensively they have a bunch of firepower, a bunch of shooting. You know, Devin Booker I think will be just fine in the, in the postseason. But uh, to me, it's the defense and the experience would be my only knocks on them. But I like them. You know, I, I do think they're right there. Uh, I'd probably put Denver at, at full strength uh, ahead of them as probably the fourth best team. But I think Phoenix is right there at, at probably you know four or five. What percentage do you put on the Lakers making a move here before the trade deadline? Ooh. Um, if you're asking a, are you asking a trade or a buyout? Oh well, it could be either. I was, I, you know, I, I would yeah. probably uh, think buyout would be a little bit stronger of of a opportunity. Yeah, no, I, um, I would put that at, 
I don't know, 90 to 95%. Um, you know, I, I think the, the, the waving of Quinn Cook last night, um, was a, a move in that direction. Uh, now, uh, you know, it seems like they're not in a rush to add anybody. They're not necessarily going to add anyone soon just because of, if you look at who's out there, um, you know, I don't think there's anybody that moves the needle that much, but, you know, we've heard the rumors of, Andre Drummond or Blake Griffin potentially getting bought out. I think they'd have interest in either one of those guys. Um, I personally don't see the fit with the Marcus Cousins. You know, I, I think they need uh, more of a you know athletic defensive type uh, at the five, and that is not the Marcus Cousins. So who knows? Maybe they end up signing him, but I personally just don't see the fit. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I think the, the waving of Quinn Cook last night what was a clear sign that they're you know. They only have 13 players on the roster now, and most teams carry at least 14. Um, so I do expect them to add a guy to the buyout market, but this also gives them a little bit of wiggle room if they want to make a trade that they can take on a little extra salary uh, than they could have before. So they should have about like $1.7 million um, in, uh, you know, under the hard cap right now. So this gave them some financial flexibility. Quinn Cook wasn't playing. Uh, they technically could resign him on a couple 10-day contracts, but... Uh, I definitely expect them to make a move uh, between now and like the end of March. Jovan Bua joining us. He is a Laker beat writer for The Athletic, and I am curious your perspective being around the team on how Frank Vogel has done it, because there was a just a ton of speculation about how long he would or wouldn't be there, and it seems like there's no drama there whatsoever. Everything has come together. How's he done that? Uh, it, it's been it's been you know impressive uh, because um, you know we, we've seen what, what's happened with, with the Lakers over the last you know seven years or so where they, they've had a revolving door of coaches they, they had the the nonstop drama on and off the court with players with the coaches with management and you know it, it's become a little bit of a circus right and. and um, I think that what they've been able to do over the last couple of years with, um, you know, Rob Plinka stepping up as the clear leader uh, in the organization with, with the hiring of Frank Vogel, which, remember, he wasn't even their second option. He was their third option. You know, they they'd wanted Ty Lue and, and Monty Williams and ended up settling on Vogel. Uh, but if you look at what he did last season, um, you know, I think – the key for him is he is a bit of a player's coach where he does default to, um, you know, he, he's a little soft-spoken, he's, he's relaxed. Um, like, I think there are some similarities with, with he and Luke Walton in that regard. And I know that, you know, there are a lot of Laker players that like Luke Walton because of that dynamic. Uh, but, but Frank is, is also a guy who preaches defense. And if you look at, you know, in, his Indiana and Orlando stops, like, he's always been more of a defensive coach. And, Having LeBron and AD, in, in you know at the time Rajon Rondo, like you're going to figure out the offensive end. But the, the defense, I, I think, for this team to get them to buy in to, to be a top three defense last year, um, and, and you know really kind of have that identity, I think that was really key for him uh, and got you know LeBron and AD on board. And it really was LeBron's best defensive season since probably going back to Miami. So um, I think you know the buy-in he's been able to get from the stars. Um, you know, from again, I think being a bit of a player's coach, but also someone who, uh, at, you know, is a very smart, uh, you know, similar to like an Eric Spolstra, you know, came up in the film room, knows his X's and O's and, and film very well. Um, you know, like mul- multiple player, uh, Laker players this season have said that 
Frank Vogel has the best film sessions that they've ever had with a coach. And that just his level of detail that they almost feel like it's, it's more productive than their practices, uh, his film sessions. So um, I think all of that combined has, uh, you know, led to him being safe, right? And, you know, I don't think there's any concern about his job security at this point. But, um, you know, winning a, winning a championship helps. Having LeBron and AD helps. Um, but I, I think he deserves a lot of credit and has done a really good job. Well, Jovan, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for coming on and talking a little Lakers with us. Yeah, thank you guys so much.